0: Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, Episode 17. It's Indy 500 time. Uh, It's about time we finally have the Indy 500. It's in August. It's a weird thing. It's COVID-19, 2020 has been crazy, but we have the Indy 500 opening day of practice uh, took place. Uh, We have plenty to go over here. The first of three weeks of Indy 500 specific coverage we'll have on the GSP I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man?
1: I'm doing great. And finally, Indy's here. I'm excited.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we're going to have a special guest here, a writer, blogger, um, someone who knows a lot about not only IndyCar, but RTI, uh, former uh, co-worker at OpenWheels.com, Spencer Neff. Uh, Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast.
2: Yeah, how's it going, guys?
0: Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, I think we could go and start, uh, you know, let's just go over uh, practice. I know you you told me earlier offline that you had some observations of uh, practice and what went on and who looked good. I know that James Hinchcliffe uh, was the fastest in practice. He did get a tow uh, 224 miles an hour was his uh, just over 224 miles an hour was his average. It looked like a very Andretti centric uh, result there in practice today. Um, I'll throw to you first. And what what were your thoughts, Spencer, on uh, what you saw during practice for day one of the Indy 500?
2: Yeah, it seems like a bit of a contrast from kind of what we've seen in 2018 and 2019. Um, as far as who's up at the front uh in these early opening practices, obviously um if you go back and look at uh the race results and practice results and everything um those are those were uh, a lot of uh Penske's, Ed carpenter racing up at the front today, obviously tilted back towards Honda, only Scott Dixon leading the way uh, in practice one. But when, you know, things finished up, it was, like you said, Hinchcliffe leading the way. And Jody was on top. And then kind of on the no to side, you had Alexander Rossi at about, uh, 221.9, excuse me. And, um, you know, f- there were four cars that swept the top, top spots and, uh, The overall speeds and fifth actually was, um, and fifth on the no toe speeds was Jack Harvey. And Jack Harvey Harvey obviously belonged to Meyer Shank Racing, if there's no, um, but that's obviously an incredibly technical partnership,
0: uh, yeah. So Yep, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, definitely we'll go and uh, go over the uh, practice results uh, here for day one of the Indy 500. Uh, they Four of the five rookies went through their rookie orientation. We had a refresher as well for a certain Fred Alonso. Uh, Hinchcliffe, Marco Andretti. Uh, it's Marco's time for the 16th year, or so he thinks. Scott Dixon, third. Ryan Hunter Ray, fourth, so two former winners of the Indianapolis 500, and Fernando Alonso in fifth, uh, way higher up in the grid relative to uh, his two young teammates, uh, Pat Oward and Oliver Askew were kind of on the bottom of the list. Um, you look at uh, you know Jack Harvey, as Spencer mentioned, uh, was seventh in the overall chart. Joseph Newgarden was the second fastest Chevy. So the first Penske, Alio Castro Neves 10th, um, just behind Connor Daly, who has Cole Perrin as his, uh, race engineer. Um, so hijinks will uh, definitely come from that. Hopefully I'm, I'm hoping they'll do some video series or something during this next couple of weeks. Cause the two of them together have to be trouble. Um, Uh, Josh, uh, I'll I'll look, I'll ask you, you know, looking at somebody like James Hinchcliffe, who's this is his last race of the year as of now, who knows what with COVID-19, all kinds of things going on, the rumors that are out there that he might end up being back full time with this Genesis deal. But um, what do you see in terms of Hinch? And how he was able to stand out here on day one, former pole sitter of the Indianapolis 500, and also came back from serious injuries that he suffered at the Indianapolis 500.
1: I mean, yeah, I think for Hinchcliffe, you know, shows just how talented he is as a driver. Um, you know, to come back, like, especially being out of the car on an oval and not really like having a lot of seat time compared to the uh, rest of the regulars, um, I think is. Um, outstanding that you know he was able to uh, finish first on the first day of practice but also it's reflective of uh, his team as well and just how prepared the Andretti team is um, you know and especially with their one-off car that they're able to show that kind of speed on day one um, I, I think that's uh, really great for him and his team um, and it just shows that they, you know, they're able to have uh, good speed and it wasn't just him it was you know it was Hunter Ray, uh, Marco Andretti was second, um, and just just uh, the, the amount of speed that um, they're showing on day one shows that you know they're they're going to be a threat for Indy, and you know we know that um, Andretti's been kind of off uh, so far this year, especially on the ovals. Uh, they just haven't you know had the good luck or um, the pace really, and, and you know this might could be a preview, but um, you know it. it At least for today, it um, they're off to a good start, and and hopefully you know that goes uh gives them some uh, momentum going into uh, qualifying week here this weekend.
0: Yeah, that's it's definitely true. I mean, this this year, uh you know just to fit with how everything has gone with COVID, this is one of three days of practice that they're going to have. They'll have whatever. Tomorrow, which will be with race um race uh, boost, and then Friday will at some point i don't i guess middle of the day you would say they're gonna allow them to run qualifying boosts, so probably the last probably the second half of Friday's practice will have the qualifying boost along with the um arrow screen uh testing knowing that they're going to have that i mean obviously they're testing that right now but seeing how it handles a little bit with a little bit more horsepower maybe a little bit more trim uh out there and then saturday they'll run the practices for qualifying they're going to run and basically get the whole entire field in there um i would assume they're going to kind of can the last row shootout because there isn't 34 there isn't more than 33 cars so um they'll they'll go and run or maybe what? Do you, yeah i mean they're yeah they're only going to run uh 33 so hopefully they can the last row shootout and they just run the fast nine on uh sunday which will be somewhat interesting uh we'll see how it builds up i mean a lot of laps over 2400 laps uh, completed across the whole entire field. You had the only team that didn't get to make a run was Ben Hanley, uh, the dragon speed group, who's uh, kind of behind because they haven't been able to run all year. Uh, they're getting the arrow screen and everything set up, uh, probably had some, some issues, but I think they'll be all right. And especially by the race, I think they'll be able to hold their own. Uh, they had a dramatic, qualifying run last year that um, got them into the Indianapolis 500. It was, it was them and Kyle Kaiser uh, with the Yunkos team that uh, knocked Fernando Alonso out of the Indianapolis 500. And so uh, unfortunately Yunkos isn't there this year, but um, we still have uh, the dragon speed group. Hopefully they'll be able to maintain and continue on as the rest of the season goes Uh, goes forward Um, we'll uh, transition here I think the next part I want to go into is kind of breaking down the field and I and I the the first part uh, I would like to do is go over the winners the former winners of the Indianapolis 500 and where they really stand in terms of what you see not only based on what they've done so far this year but their history of course at Indy and their chances um eight former winners in the Indian this Indianapolis 500 uh you have Alio, three-time winner Scott Dixon Tony Kanaan, Ryan Hunter Ray Alexander Rossi Takuma Sato Will Power and Simon Pagino. so the last four winners have been first-time winners and uh basically going back to 13 the only time there's been a, uh, somebody, well, he may not be, isn't in the field. So, you know, going back to 2013, all these guys, first-time winners, no multiples there. Um, so it definitely, we look at, you know, these champion. Some of these guys have been champions, of course. You, you I mean, most of them actually Dixon, Kanan, Hunter Ray, uh, Power, and Paginot. And Penske, of course, is very tough to beat. The guy who owned Indianapolis Motor Speedway figuratively actually does own Indianapolis Motor Speedway now. Um, Josh, I'll go to you. I, I guess, who do you look for as out of this win, out of the winners group? Who do you look for as the guy who has the best chance to win? Who is somebody that would be a dark horse candidate? and who is somebody that probably it would be very a a long shot for them to get another Indianapolis 500 win
1: I think for me like I would have to go with uh Will Power uh you know he's been I think the most recent out of well uh Simon Paget last year but uh he's uh been um very quick and he had the Best uh, average lap time or average speed um, over a 30 lap run or however laps it is uh, for practice and and you know he's shown good long course speed I think and um, I think he he has a good shot as a, a former winner um, maybe somebody that can uh, challenge um, like as a kind of like a mid tier is probably like uh, Ryan hunter Ray, um and he, him being a former winner as well. Um, you know, with, again, with uh, Andretti, they showed good speed on the first day. And, you know, he's definitely very talented, especially at Indy. And so he, he definitely uh, have a shot to win the race. And I think maybe somebody has a very dark horse chance of winning is probably like uh, somebody like Tony Kanaan. Um, obviously, it would be a, a very monumental if uh, him and the A.J. Foyt car could go out and actually do something um, at Indy because um, we know that A.J. Foyt cars aren't. You know, they're not really, like, top tier in um, the IndyCar series, but certainly they can get a good result if uh, things go their way. But, you know, I think a lot would have to happen for him to win the race.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, and I'll go to you, Spencer. In terms of, you know, TK, we don't know for sure if this is his last Indianapolis 500. I kind of have a feeling he he's going to continue at least running the Indy 500. Uh, I don't know if he's going to run much more than that, but I I think Tony Kanan is never going to stop running Indy as long as uh, there's an opportunity there. Uh, Who do you look for in terms of those categories? Like somebody you would say is a favorite based on the winners and someone who's kind of mid tier and someone who would be basically a long shot, but you know, he's they've won the race, so they're never really out of it.
2: Well, I think start with the favorites. I definitely point towards Scott Dixon and Simon Pagino. You know, going back to the season opener, at Texas, the only uh, other super speedway we've run in this configuration with the aero screen, you know, Dixon dominated and, and Pagino was right there as well. Um and obviously with Dixon winning the first three rate races to start 2020, the partnership between him and Michael Cannon has proven to be very effective. So I would probably put them close to the top, if not at the top, absolutely. And Pajno obviously, you know, coming back uh, looking to defend his win from 2019. Uh, he's proven to be very strong on these faster, super speedway ovals. Um, somebody who, you know, is kind of in that in-between category. Um, I'd have to go with Ryan Hunter-Reay. You've know, seen that he's, you know, had speed, especially at Indianapolis and some of the bigger tracks, but... A lot of times you've seen that 2018 be bitten by, you know, there'd be mechanical gremlins or, you know, back at Iowa, they had loose wheels. So, you know, if they can get those things right, I could easily see them being in contention. Um, of courses, I'd have to agree with Josh as far as Tony Canon. I don't want to necessarily put him in that category, but. I especially given TK's track record at uh, IMS in the 500, but I don't know how fast that team's going to be. Um, and I'm a little unsure of where to put Takuma Sato. He's obviously been fast. You know, he won in 2017, finished third last year. Um, but he crashed in qualifying and didn't make the race of Texas. So... To see how he runs with this new arrow screen and how he adapts to all that, um, so that's you know, where I'd put some of the uh, eight former winners in this field.
0: Yeah, all good points. I, I, I mean, Takuma Sato is a wild card no matter what. It's part of what makes Takuma Sato who he is. This has gone on for basically two decades, going back to his lower formula days moving up to formula one to now being an Indy car you never know which takuma sato is going to show up he can go write himself off in the in qualifying and then go and win a race he can go and have a clean day and everything looks good and then he can go and fence it it's it's part of the roller coaster that comes with him and why he's so loved and and not only in his home country, but plenty of people love Takuma Sato. It's, it's that, you know, balls-to-the-wall thing. He tried to go and pass Dario in 2012 and um, fenced it, trying to win the 500 that year, giving Dario his third win. And, you know, it's it's uh, something Tony Kanan, I mean, God love him. He's I think he probably held on for much longer than he probably should have, which is probably why he is where he is right now. Um, you know, A.J. Foyt, he's a legend. He's one of the greatest of all time, but his team has definitely taken steps backwards, and now they're definitely at the bottom uh, of the series, but it's Indy, and A.J., if there's one thing you know, they're going to put everything. They're going to put all their eggs in the basket to go and make sure they run well. Uh, This uh, next couple of weeks, whether, you know, it's qualifying, more likely it'll be race because you have Kimball. Kimball was the only representative of uh, the Carlin team last year that made the Indianapolis 500. Uh, He has become really solid and quietly, quietly, but he's become really solid doing these big ovals. Um, he had a great, uh, he had uh pace at Texas. He had, uh, decent, you know, uh, runs at Iowa. So, you know, you never know with, uh, AJ Foyt with that team. I mean, Dalton Kellett, who knows, but really it's, it's really more about, uh, Kanan and, uh, uh, Jim, uh, I call him Jimbo Kimball because of a Howard Stern reference, but um, uh, Charlie Kimball for the AJ Foyt team. Um, I mean, Dixon is, is that Michael Cannon point you made is so dead on. I mean, it's it's almost like stealing. You're talking about one of the best engineers there's been in this sport and how for however many years and then you're putting him with one of the greatest drivers has ever been in an Indy car. Uh, it's it's um, it's it might be what Scott Dixon needs to finally get over that hump and finally get that second Indy 500. Um, you know, it looks like Hondas have initial pace right now. It's entirely possible Chevy's kind of holding back, uh, but Hondas right now seem to have some pace, and the Andretti cars are all seem to be relatively stable. Um, Dixon feels good about his car. And when he's comfortable, it's almost like, you know, who's you're running for second. It's why he's one of the greatest of all time. And, but you can never count it's Indianapolis. You never count out the Penske's so you can't, you know, defending champion Pagano, will power. It's definitely going to be interesting to see, uh, who uh, comes out on top in regards to, uh, those winners who can do something as a, as a person who loves a 28 and who's a, a Brian Hunter Ray guy. Um, it's, it would be nice for him to actually have luck for once. Cause you never know what would happen if he actually had luck for a whole, you know, month whatever, couple of weeks and actually can put something together. He might actually be able to get another one there. Uh, the next uh, group, I think are the best drivers that have not won the Indy 500. And of course, we'll start with two people that I think stand out uh, mainly to fans, of course, is the two time uh, series champion, Joseph Newgarden, the man who drives for team Penske, the only Penske driver that has not won the Indianapolis 500. Um, And then Fernando Alonso, who of course is doing a one-off for um, Arrow Spam, uh, as I like to call them, their Arrow McLaren sp But just call yourself Spam. You could have gotten a sponsorship. That would have probably been. And considering looking at Zach Brown, he's eaten his fair share of spam in his time. So those two guys, and I kind of look at them, and then I we could go a little further. And Ed Carpenter, of course, you know, family lineage connected to the racetrack, three-time pole sitter. He doesn't get many bites at the apple anymore to run races. You know he's wanting to go and close this deal, Um, and especially considering he has two drivers right now in Renus VK and uh, and Connor Daly that I think he could go and make something happen with. And if they ran both of them full-time in their particular cars, it would be something that would be good for their race team, but it's you know, it's he owns his own he owns a team, so he could do whatever he wants. Um let's start with that. Um I'll go with you, Spencer. I mean, uh, there's a few other guys like Graham Ray Hall, um, who's been there, he's finished on the podium. J.R. Hildebrand famously um knocked the fence down in twenty eleven and um uh lost that race and you know, you look at Colton Hurta, um, people talk about Marco. It's one of the only times all year that Marco shows up and acts like he's a race car driver. Um, there, there's, there's a few, and of course Hinch. Um, there, the, those are a few of the guys, but then there's a couple, I, I guess we could go and stretch it a little bit past that, but how do you look at that group of guys, the ones that have been around, that are kind of um, – are known figures, but haven't been able to come through, who do you look for has the best chance out of that group and who is kind of a dark horse in, in term in based on those guys. Any, um Can you hear me? Yeah, there you go. Oh, we'll sorry. edit that out. It's sorry. all good.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, obviously I think, and you have to start with Ed's lineage. Obviously, he's been on the pole three times. It's um, been close. He finished second in 2018. And, you know, feel like besides all that, it'd be, to be a bit of a numbers. I hear it'd be funny to see the 20 car win in 2020. And, you know, after all these years, you'd have to think Ed would kind of enjoy... Winning in the first year of Roger Penske's ownership of the track, after seeing Penske dominate for uh, almost 50 years when his family owned the track.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good pick. And I I would also ask, like, who else? Who do you look at as um, a dark horse amongst that group uh, of drivers that kind of are known figures? Uh, that could possibly come through.
2: Um, I don't know if you'd call this a dark horse pick per se, but I'm kind of interested to see how Santino Ferrucci is going to perform. You know, Obviously, last year, his rookie year, he made a lot of headlines, had an incredible drive, uh, avoiding that late resurrect between his teammate borde and Graham Ray Hall, um got a lot of praise. And, you know, back to the Michael in connection, Canem worked with Santino
0: last year. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what um, Santino can do now that, he doesn't have Borde with him and he's kind of the leader with Alex Pelot being the rookie this time around.
0: Yeah, definitely some a team to look at. Dale Coyne has uh built themselves up over these decades to being a pretty solid team and uh having two young hotshots uh here with Santucci as Paul Tracy likes to call him. It's his buddy. It's his little buddy Smurf uh, with the, with the, I, I, there's a buddy of mine on Twitter. He has a, a really good nickname for him. I'm forgetting it, but um, with his hairdo, but Ferrucci and Palo, who's been really quick uh, uh, all year, uh, of course, hasn't been able to show it every race, but, uh, Palo is, is a talent. He's somebody that um, uh, will, um, I think, in time, if Honda has their way, might be able to kind of move him into that Red Bull helm, maybe if things kind of land a certain way. But um, they have some other guys over in F2. We talked about that yesterday in terms of silly season. But I think Palo is on that uh, trajectory. Uh, if he doesn't make IndyCar his future, uh, Josh, how about you? What do you look at? Um, Spencer brought up some good uh, guys, you know. but what do you, what do you look at in terms of that group, in terms of the guys who haven't won this race, uh, name figures that uh, best chance and maybe somebody that you wouldn't uh, theoretically see as a full-on favorite in terms of odds or whatever?
1: Yeah, I was going to go with uh, some of the names that you brought up. And I was I was thinking about this um I uh, I'm going to go with uh Graham Rahal. You know, he has the podium that he got in 2011 and then he got a fifth in 2015. Um I think he's had a lot of good pace uh, over the years at Indy, but he just hasn't quite had the results to show for it whether it was uh due to bad luck or um bad setup or got caught up into a crash. Uh, you know, he just hasn't quite had, obviously, without the win, he hasn't had the a lot of result to show for it. But I I do believe in his uh, driving ability. Um, you know, he's shown um, good pace at some of the larger tracks that uh, we've gone to, or that the series has gone to, with this win in 2015 at uh, California and then the following year at Texas. So, uh, you know, he knows how to win on the, the oval tracks. uh and I definitely think if things go right and he has good pace, uh, he could be a threat at the end of the race, um, at the 500. And then I'm going to also go with a kind of dark horse pick, um, with, uh, Alonso, you know, even though he's obviously the, probably the most famous driver in the field, but he just, doesn't have as much, uh, rate experience, um, at the Indy 500. And, you know, he's only had one race. And then last year where he, uh, failed to make the race cause the team just wasn't, uh, prepared where they needed to be. And I think this year you're going to see a very determined Alonso, and this is going to be his, for now, his, uh, last opportunity at the 500 until he's finished, uh, returning to formula one after, uh, two years and um, it'll be unknown if he comes back to Indy after that. um, And hopefully he does, but I think it'll be a little bit different for him this year. You know, obviously the McLaren has uh, partnered with uh, the um, SPM team, which I think um, is good for that team and which has a lot of experience at Indy. And uh, I think they'll have a better setup for him this year. And, you know, he's got, Two rookies who are—he's going to be leaning on for experience as far as just how the, the car handles in, in general, and I think that'll um, that'll be able to uh, help him a little bit get acclimated into the Indy car as this is his one-off race. And I think um, I don't know if he'll he'll win, but I definitely think uh, you'll see a lot of him at on uh, at the race on the Indy 500.
0: Oh, they're definitely going to get their their money's worth out of old Fred um Craig Hampson is his uh race engineer uh well-known uh Sebastian Bourdais guy for many years first at Newman Haas and then at uh Dale Coyne Hampson has been around for a long time he's one of the best in the business you talk about Michael Cannon um with Dixon, that's part of what makes Fernando Alonso's opportunity here this year much a much better opportunity for him to come through. Because when you have such a steady hand, somebody who can go and make the changes and kind of get understand the driver like Hamston has and it has, the ability he has, I think it really makes Fernando Alonso somebody that could. Not, not only, you know, contend, I mean, I, I don't know about Fast 9. I think he just wants to get in the top half of the field uh, qualifying-wise. But I think it doesn't really matter where he starts. He kind of has that Tony Kanaan and a couple of them other guys deal where they love to pass and they can go and make crazy passes. And if he's confident and he's comfortable, we know what Fernando Alonso's done for all these years we know that he's a two-time formula one world champion he has taken cars that probably shouldn't have been anywhere near winning a world championship at ferrari and got him to the cusp he was at mclaren in 07 and between him and lewis one of them should have won the world championship and neither of them did he's one he's one in renos that have definitely not been very good and he's going to be doing trying to do that again next year um when he's uh, partnering Esteban Ocon uh before the twenty twenty two uh new uh car form, uh, the new uh what do you call it? I guess the new regulations in twenty twenty two come along where he's gonna try to go and beat Lewis, beat whoever else is left at that point, if Vettel is still there, who knows. Um but Graham Rehall as uh lead if he would like to say uh, for me, is somebody, it, that's, that would be interesting. You know, his father won this race. It's it, the Ray Hall team has had a very checkered uh, time at Indianapolis, going all the way back to his father, failing to qualify after winning the IndyCar championship in 92, failing to qualify in 93, um, going and then 94, running the Honda, and then having to get rid of it. You know, like there's been a very... Um, checkered pass for the Ray Hall team and even for Graham having to start and park his car a few years ago because it was handling so bad. Um, but he's also had good finishes and he's really good at big ovals. He kind of has that, you know, I don't give a bleep thing in him to where he's willing to take risks and push the limit of a car. And when he has his grip, hashtag grip, um, he's somebody that could really do something. Um, one other person I would throw in there um, in terms of a dark horse is Connor Daly. Um, the confidence he has in in the cars this year, running a full schedule both uh, with um, Ed Carpenter's team and running an Ed Carpenter car uh, during this uh, Indy 500, and then you consider – running for Carlin on the ovals. He's as confident, I think as he's ever been in an Indy car and he's feeling better about the world. He's lighter. He's more fit. He's in a better place. I think box office wise with having the air force and that cool scheme and for Connor, just the way he is. And you have cold uh um, who, who left NASCAR because of Joe Gibbs and his stupidity and uh, wanting to go back home but now he gets to go and work on a race car again. I mean, can you imagine Cole Perrin gets off the comes off the couch um randomly doing some NASCAR.com uh, hits with Ally Weaver and then next thing you know he goes and works on Connor Daly's car and a guy who's from Indiana, his dad raced in the Indianapolis 500 and raced in Formula 1 and his and his stepfather runs the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I there are fewer uh, there is very few people I think that would be more popular uh than uh Connor Daly if he was able to come through uh here um in uh on the 23rd. Uh the next uh, I guess the next stage of the of the grid then in terms of our breakdown I let's look at the rookies here. Um of course you got the Spam Duo Paddle Award, uh, DNQ'd last year in the Indy 500 for Carlin, and then went on a magical mystery ride to F2 and other things and, and Super Formula to race against Pelot, amongst other people, uh, before getting the call back from uh, uh, Zach Brown. Oliver Askew, the defending, the last two Indy Lights champions, uh, are in this uh, team. Then you have Renus VK, who's been one of the best young talents that's been going through the RTI, um, and uh, he has a really cool hairy lunatic uh, tribute, half-tribute helmet, and a half whatever. It's a really cool. I mean, there's def the helmet game here at the Indianapolis 500 this year is going to be on point. I mean, I'm no fan of Max Chilton, but he basically has the BorgWarner trophy on his which is ridiculous, um, and it's cool. Um, you have Alex Pillow, uh running for Dale Coyne. Uh, he's been, as we men- I mentioned earlier, he's been really fast. He's not very experienced with the ovals, but I think he has that the you know the he hasn't built up that fear. He hasn't built up some of the issues that when you hit a wall or you know you get wrecked or get in go and wreck yourself. He hasn't built up some of that scar tissue yet, so it might be to his advantage. I kind of look at him as kind of in a Carlos Munoz, as a uh, as AJ Foyt would call him, uh, way in in his speed, and if he can figure out how to make his car work, and then Dalton Kellett uh, for AJ Foyt, who will be in a third uh, car, who has um, not really uh, shown a lot uh, so far. Uh, this year in the uh, IndyCar series and in his limited appearances, but who knows what can happen. It's A.J. Foyt, um, and you, you never know what could happen there. Um, I'll go with you, Josh, first, and then I'll go to Spencer. Ac- amongst these rookies, who do you think has the best chance to go and get this Rookie of the Year?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, for me, um, I would probably have to – Roll with one of the McLaren drivers um, that you know that's a rookie. Probably like somebody either either Oliver Askew um, or Pato Award. Um, I I think I would probably lean towards Oliver Askew. Um, they they were like on the very low end of the speed chart uh, for the first day of practice, and um, but they did have a pretty good uh, thirty lap average. Um, and I, I think um, based on like what we've seen from the short track at Iowa with uh, Askew. I think um, he'll probably be a um, somebody that you'll have to watch for the rookies. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, where he lands uh, throughout the race, with if he ends up being more towards mid-pack or if he's able to kind of make a run towards uh, the top ten or the top five uh, somewhere in that range. And I think he's very capable, and I think you know you'll see him probably have the best chance to get the Indy 500 rookie of the year.
0: Yeah, we can if you want to go and give any credence to it, the last race of the IRacing Invitational, uh both uh spam drivers were up front on the final lap. Uh Paddle Award got taken out in 3 and 4 and uh famously uh Oliver Askew uh got sent out or spaced by Santucci. Um, there at the end of that deal and let old Scotty McLaughlin get another win for uh, Penske before he goes and takes over willpower's ride more than likely. Uh, but Spencer, I'll throw to you, um, in terms of the rookies, I know, you know, watching the series full time and you've been able to experience, see what, what the uh, ollie asked who's done you know about Renus vk because the both of them have been battling each other for years in the rti paddle award is just unbelievable um and then alex polo is this like unknown figure but he definitely has a lot of speed um honda believes believes in him greatly um, who do you look at amongst that group or just I mean, whoever, you including Kellett? Um, who do you in, in, look at in terms of this Rookie of the Year battle? Who's the best shot? Who could possibly go and, like, shock the world and uh, and make a – have a really good run here in a week or so in 11 days' time?
2: Well, before today, I probably would have gone with one of the Errol McLaren P guys um between award and askew. They've both shown a lot of speed. Um award obviously almost swing at Road America. Both of them led laps in Iowa. But I think after looking at things, uh I'd say don't be surprised if uh Renus VK ends up sneaking by and uh winning rookie of the year and uh finishing maybe in the top ten. At the end of the day, um, obviously, he's got one of the best in the series at uh, the Speedway and Ed Carpenter as an owner and teammate. Um, I know that he had some issues with Texas and Carpenter was pretty vocal as far as saying, you know, Renis, you know, everything I told Renus not to do, he did. Um, or everything I told him to do, he didn't do. But um, I think VK this year has kind of been boom or bust. So, like I said I, you know, could see him easily in everybody and winning Rookie of the Year. I could also see him, you know, easily knocking himself out of contention early. Um, but and Blow being the fastest, his old record's kind of unknown. He he'd, debuted at Texas on an Oval, but was knocked out early in a crash with VK. um, To see what was going on with the Earl and SP guys, because they were, Ward was 28th, and Askew was 31st. So to see what uh, they can do uh, as the week progresses and we get through qualifying and before that the next two practices
0: yeah there's a lot to go go through go over I mean in such a short time so little practice it kind of hurts the rookies in a sense but who knows depending on the team you know you have these experienced teams that they're all with it could be something that the less is more um you know you don't build up some of the bad habits you don't get yourself into a window where you lose the car to where you don't you get you lose that confidence cuz confidence at Indianapolis is paramount to being able to make some make it happen and it can be one adjustment one small adjustment and you lose your confidence and whether you you go and spin you your car becomes undrivable you go and put it in the fence it could really dictate what happens To you, um, and with such a short amount of time and things, it could really dictate if any how your whole entire race uh, goes down. Um, Personally, I I look at Paddle Award. He's looking for redemption. He had such a a rough uh, deal at um, at uh, Indy last year with the Carlin team. They were basically, I mean, also you know Chilton missed. And uh, Pato Award missed. And then, uh, of course, Fernando Alonso was connected with uh, McLaren and Carlin. Three out of the four cars that they brought to Indianapolis did not make the show, um, which was a real downgrade. And, you know, Chilton basically at that point, I think, had already decided he wasn't going to run ovals outside of Indy anymore, which opened up the door for Connor. But then it really affected the rest of their year um, and their viability to where now, you know, even plus COVID, they're only running one car. Uh, I think Paddle Award is the guy to look at. He had he had a chance. He probably could have won Road America. He had a chance in the one Iowa race. He's somebody that is uh, uber talented. Uh, for a Mexican to go and win the Indianapolis 500, um, it would set certain people off, but it would be great for, you know, racing and also Mexico. You consider it's him and it's Checo Perez that are the two big representatives. There's other, you know, other series, but really those are the two big representatives: Daniel Suarez, um, in NASCAR. But and it's it would be something. It'd be great for PR. It'd be great. For the sport, if uh, if Pat Award were able to get through um, here uh, in on the twenty third, uh, yeah. So basically, kind of broken down the the field, like in terms of one offs for this race, we have of course Helio Castro Neves, uh, three time Indianapolis five hundred winner, noted uh, just for men user. Um, Dancing with the Stars champion, Uh, you have, uh, you have Sage Karam, noted iRacer, uh, just proposed to his girlfriend, and she said yes, Uh, you have uh, Hinch, um, we mentioned him earlier, of course, Spencer Piggott, who's going to be in a third, Ray Hall uh, car with uh, Robbie Buell, and, uh, you know, Connor Daly, that's a one off in terms of that third car uh, with uh, the, the Ed Carpenter team with the Air Force as a third car. James Davison, who has uh, a cast of 18,000 people owning his car, including uh, Rick Ware, which is just awesome. Uh, that'll be a Dale Coyne. Uh, r- r- related car. So that'll be the third Dale coin car in this field. It'll be number 51 um, based on Rick Ware. And uh, I mean, Chilton's running, he's running the road courses. It'll be his one oval of the year. And yeah, Fernando Alonso, J.R. Hildebrand, more than likely Ben Hanley. It'll be a one off because they've got sports car commitments. And in things there with Dragon Speed, um, so he's probably going to be running IMSA and running Lamar. Uh I, I guess in terms of these one-off guys, a, you know, I think I think we've kind of seen that I, based on of what we have. I think it, it's going to be Connor Daly, Fernando Alonso, and you'd assume Elio Castro Neves. Uh, would be the ones that would stand out. Um, Spencer, uh, what do you think in terms of these one-off guys that, um, what are their chances against a group of of these teams that have been able to run with the arrow screen, um, run with, uh, get all this mileage? Uh, is it possible for a one-off? I mean, the last time a one-off won the Indy 500 off, the top is Dan Weldon but then that was Dan Weldon you know you you consider somebody who was one of the best that ever really drove at that racetrack a guy who had no fear with a team that was well put together with Sam Schmidt's organization they had a, they had a partnership there but then it all kind of came together um, one-offs don't usually fare all that great at Indy um, but what do you look at uh, Spencer in terms of these these drivers that are all kinda running in their teams or in that particular situation for one for one race? For me, uh as far as,
2: you know, measuring up the one offs as far as uh viability in the five hundred, I kinda of start things with James Davison. Um he's obviously been very impressive in the limited amount of starts that he's had in uh, the IndyCar series. In 2017, after Board A got hurt, he started 33rd, made his way all the way up to the lead, uh, led a couple laps, got caught up in a crash late. Um, next year, you know, they partnered with Foyt. He, back and made his way into the field, even after crashing the day before, beat out uh pippa man and james hinchcliffe last year they've returned and partnered with dale Coyne, and they finished 12th which i believe was their best finish ever and his best finished ever um so i'm interested to see obviously especially with that partnership with rick Ware Weirwais- wear racing excuse me um how things kind of fold out for them and given the limited amount of time that they've had um they could do, but I think he could do very well, and he could provide sort of a veteran presence. Considering got Ferrucci is only in his second year, and Polo, who's a rookie there at Dale Coyne. Um so for me, I would be one of the ones to watch in regards to one-offs at this race.
0: Yeah, that's going definitely going out there in a sense because. Um, that because of you know Rick Ware, I I kind of the minute you put Rick Ware anywhere near a racetrack, I start um uh I, I it, lights go off for many reasons, um not the least of which because he's basically um, abused every system that has existed in motorsports to somehow or another make amount of money to be able to be in every big race in the world and now he's in the indianapolis 500 um i don't have an issue with james davison as a driver don't take don't take this as i have an issue with james davison i don't i have an issue with his owner and uh because i think he's a seller dweller and um He's abusing the system, and basically they're going to run a start and park for two hundred fifty thousand dollars or whatever the heck they're going to be given in terms of a purse uh, this year. Because obviously, the uh, RP, uh, the captain, said that they're cutting the purse too. So some of these teams are probably going to be hurting even after running this this deal, uh, Josh. Uh, in terms of the one-offs, of course, you know we talked. We've we've spent some time on. Uh, a lot of these guys, but um, who's the, who's the best opportunity do you think that can go and, and get this go and, and shock the world one-off win the Indianapolis 500?
1: Um, It's, it, it's tough to say, cause you know, of all these one-offs, we have a lot of really good names and, you know, people who should be in um, full-time rides to be quite honest with you. But, I'm gonna go with Hinchcliffe. Uh, I think I think he's got a you know he's got a lot of experience to go off of for Indy and I you know they Andretti cars are very trustworthy here at Indianapolis. You can always count on one of them being there at the end or close to it. And I think based off like what he's shown so far. And the, the body of work that he has at Indianapolis, I think he's probably a guy that uh, you have to keep an eye on as far as the one-off go. And I think he will be able to shock the world. Um, obviously, you can never count out, uh, Helio Castroneves. He, he's, uh, you know, has uh, all the wins behind him uh, from the previous years and. Um, you know, he's struggling to get that elusive fourth win uh, to join that elite group uh, of drivers that, who have won the four Indianapolis 500s. And um, I think, you know, like the, the longer he goes from Indy, I think, or, you know, as a one-off, um, I think that opportunity is going to decrease uh, for him to uh, get, get a chance. But I think, you know, you'll, he'll, he'll be a driver that you'll see uh, contend for the race probably. It just depends on uh, the uh, speed that he has, the uh, type of pace, and if uh, they they can have a good handle on their car um, throughout the race. Um, But I think it would probably be him or Hinchcliffe that uh, you'd uh, have the best chance for the one-off group.
0: Definitely safe choices um, and make sense based on what they've done and uh, based on who they've been with. And, uh, I, I, you, you never know. I, I think driving wise, Davidson can get the car up front and then you look at Hinch who's more than likely, I don't know it's for sure, but this is his last, uh, run and then he's going to be a pit reporter or up in the booth hopefully so he can mute Paul Tracy, um, it, the the guy's a natural in the TV booth, but uh, everybody, virtually everybody, has said they'd rather have James Hinchcliffe on the racetrack, me included. Um, I'll tell you, if he does go and win the Indianapolis 500, it's gonna be kind of hard for for old Michael to to go and park him. Uh, and so it'll be something to see. And then of course, the Alio if he can go and break through that that bar- that wall, be the first uh international driver to be a four time winner in Indianapolis five hundred. Honestly, as a Dario guy, I think he would have gotten there if he hadn't gotten hurt um a couple all those years ago at Houston and had to retire. I think he would have gotten a four. Um would have rel- would have fit in pretty well with that group that they have there of of um Foyt and Al and Rick Mears, but Alio's the one guy that can do it. Um, there's nobody else that's out there that has more than one. So maybe if some, one of those guys gets another one, maybe, but we will see. Um, the last thing we will do, um, here before I, I I let you go, Spencer. I know you're, you got plenty to do. I don't want to go and take too much of your time. Uh, I I figure let's go talk qualifying I know because next week we're going to be spending more time episode uh, the next episode with the Indy 500 uh, will be on and we're going to be previewing the race because we'll have had the practice we'll have had qualifying we'll be able to kind of get a better idea of where everybody is at Um, what do you look for in terms of the fast nine uh, I think that's what really matters because there is—it's—it's it's really there. Are there—is there a team that you think could possibly sneak in that beats those big three of of Pensky and and uh, I mean I, I kind of think I might have parked that one for you, but you know you talk about Pensky, you talk about Ganassi and Andretti. There's you would assume that the vast majority of that fast nine will include those teams. I know there's one big hanging fastball that I left up there, but what do you look for in terms of the fast nine, the layout in terms of Chevy Honda, what kind of teams we're going to see there um, and kind of a poll pick. If you want to make one for uh, this weekend for Sunday, once they do the fast nine.
2: Oh, I think obviously you kind of hit the nail on the head, so to speak. You know, obviously the big three and Ganassi and Penske and Andretti are going to be up at the front. Um, I think right now I may have to go with Dixon as sort of the favorite for pole. Uh, just even though he's only won race once back in '08, he won from pole that time. He won pole again in 2015 and. 2017, so he knows how to get it done in terms of qualifying. Um, And like I said, with Michael Cannon running things this year, I would not be surprised to see them take another poll. Um, Obviously, I think another one you have to look at is Ed Carpenter. um, There's those guys. And seeing, uh, seeing that... Ed can get it done. Connors uh won pull at uh, the first Iowa race a couple weeks ago. So he's gotten better in terms of qualifying. Um we'll to see, like I said, how uh K adapts. I think that'll be another interesting story to see where the rookies end up. So um, through them poll I, and you know, some preliminary contenders so to speak. Oh. A little maybe a little too early to tell considering you know they're probably getting the kinks out. They're gonna have the boost on Friday and through Saturday and Sunday qualifying, so Oh. Should be a good one. Hopefully we'll have a couple surprises as well to go with the usual suspects in the field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I think those are good ones. I mean I, I left that one up there with Ed Carpenter. I, uh uh because he's been up there that they had three of the top four I believe last year in the Indy 500 uh, when they had Spencer Piggott there and uh, Ed Jones ran a one-off with Scuderia Corsa the Ferrari uh, GT team and he qualified fourth and then dropped like a rock which screwed my fantasy team's um, I'm, I'm not angry, but, uh, screwed <laughs> up my fantasy teams, but, um, Josh, what do you, I mean, I know it's very early. Unfortunately, it's part of what running this on Wednesday, uh, it kind of leads us to, but, uh, do you, who do you look at as, uh, contenders here for this fast nine and who do you pick in terms of a pole sitter for this Indianapolis five hundred?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you already talked about like Penske, Ganassi, and Andretti. Like any car from those teams will probably um, make up a majority of that fast nine. I mean, you got Hinchcliffe, who obviously um, was the fastest car today that we've talked about already. And um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Marco made it into the fast nine. Uh, you know, he's had a good, at least qualifying-wise. We we know he can um, place the car in in the fast nine. Uh, uh, and obviously, Dixon um, should be a contender for that as well. I and uh, for Penske, I think you know somebody like Simon Pagino, um hasn't shown a lot of pace quite so far yet, um, as far as uh, pure speed goes on on time. But I think you could see him, somebody like uh, Joseph Newgarden uh, from Penske, and, and um, somebody like like that that could. Uh, place their car in the Fast 9. Um, I mean, I would not be surprised if we saw, like, a one-off car be in the Fast 9 uh, coming up. I mean, I, you know, I... You can't count out Alonso. I mean, he did it when he made the race in 2017. I mean, obviously it was with Andretti, who you know is a, a powerhouse. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, he was in the the fast nine. And I mean, even if um, his teammates um, in Paddle Award and ask you if they figure things out later in the week, uh, maybe they're sandbagging right now. Who knows um, if if they got into the fast nine? I mean, and obviously you can't uh, count out at Carpenter or any of his cars really. Um, they've always qualified well at Indianapolis and you know, he's had <laughs> the the pole multiple times so you, you can't count him out i mean even somebody like uh um, sage Karam, uh, who's a one off i mean i mean he's shown uh good um, good qualifying uh pace at, at indy i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he's in the fast nine either or something like that and then you know with with pole um yeah you know, i it, it's tough to say, but I, I mean, I think I'd I would have to go with um, uh, Scott Dixon as well. He's he's shown uh, a lot of uh, pace this year in general, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on pole again, um, at, like he has in previous years. And he's definitely been the best driver this season in Indy, um, and I think you know he'll continue that momentum and um, start start off the race from the first position.
0: Alright, so we got uh we got a couple Dixon picks. We got uh and uh you know, went over a lot of good points there, both of you guys. I'm I'm gonna go a little different. I'll I'll uh deviate. I mean I'm gonna go with the big teams. I'm not gonna go with Ed Carpenter, even though it kind of is hanging out there. Um I, I I'm well actually, you know what, I'll I'll put up three. I I'm gonna pick Joseph Newgarden to win the poll, Cause I think he's gonna win I think he's also going to win the 500. So, the fact of the matter is, um, the fact of the matter is, it's going to be his month. He finally is going to get um, his Indy 500. And uh, Roger Penske is going to kind of be able to celebrate his ownership of the racetrack by having his Rick Mears clone go and uh, get his 500. And he goes and does it by winning the poll the same way as. Simon Pagenaud did last year. Um, you know, it, it, I, I believe that he's gonna show up on qualifying day. He's done it. In that you know, he did it for Sarah Fisher. He did it for Ed Carpenter. He knows how to to go fast around that racetrack. Um, Colton Herta was somebody last year as a rookie um, with a pseudo Andretti partnership who ran very, very fast, had a great uh, qualifying and had a great mo- month or whatever you want to call a couple of weeks until race day. And then he had mechanical problems and finished at last. But, you know, until one of those until he got um, until the Iowa race where um, uh, I forget who launched over his his rear wing, but uh, that 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 whole deal, he was second in points. So he was actually the most consistent Andretti driver, and you look at his potential speed, and then that team. I think Andretti, if there is one person that I will look at for the pole, uh, more I don't know about the race, but in terms of the pole, I look at Colton Herta, and then the last one would be the dark horse, and this is where uh, you go to Ed Carpenter and Connor Daly. Um, the the box office and the PR and all that that would come from Connor Daly winning the poll for the Indianapolis 500 for Ed Carpenter Racing for the U.S. Air Force um, with Cole Perrin as his uh, lead engineer uh, would be pretty big Um, but who knows what's going to happen I think of course as you mentioned in terms of qualifying on pole at Iowa and the Carlin car uh, which was unbelievable running up front in both races for good portions of both of them but not maybe getting the best finishes that he should have gotten also ran pretty good at Texas so whether they whether they get the pole whether they make the fast nine they're definitely someone to look at um, in terms of the Indianapolis 500 on race day. Uh, yeah. So with that, I'm um, uh, Spencer, I'll, uh, send it to you. Um, do you have anything, uh, going out? Cause we're just going to go and transfer over to the roundup and kind of go into picks and, uh, some of the other series, but, um, do you have anything going out, promote your blog, anything like that? Oh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Um,
2: yeah, it's indycar1909.wordpress.com. Um, just started it yesterday. Uh, rebooted it from an old blog that I had had in the past. Going um, to be sharing some of my thoughts throughout these next couple weeks. Uh, maybe post some of their additional features. Um, so looking forward to. Uh, finally having
0: the 2020 Indianapolis 500. Yeah, absolutely. IndyCar1909 on uh, You can find Spencer there, and you can also find uh, GSP on there uh, as well with uh, my name, philipgmatthew.com. I, I actually remembered this. Uh, I wasn't going to let this, let you go before... Um, we talked about this off air uh, we can all bring up uh, what was, what, what is a favorite memory you had? And I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you first Spencer in terms of your favorite memory of the Indianapolis 500, maybe something that made you a fan of IndyCar car racing, maybe whatever, just something that, that was, that always stands out and has stuck with you to this point to where it's been this passion. Um, Oh, Obviously, I've been a big fan of IndyCar almost my entire
2: life. I was born in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, um, near Nazareth Speedway. Got to see Emerson Fittipaldi's last win. But as far as Indy 500 moments go, I'd have to go back to 2012 in that race. For me, that was the first 500 that I'd actually attended in person. Um, it was just such a fun experience. And... uh Um, all right and something that I think for any fan of the series and this race uh you know will stick with you for probably the rest of your life and just watching that last lap I remember being so disappointed that Taku didn't make it and and didn't get to see that battle to the yard of bricks that you know you kind of dream about each year um and you know, that would be kind of top of the list as far as favorite memories for me.
0: All right. How about you, Josh? What is uh, a memory or memories that you have that kind of made you a uh, fan of not only open wheel racing, but uh, the Indianapolis 500?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, like growing up, I was more of a NASCAR fan and. I mean, I, obviously, I knew about the Indy 500, but I never, like, really paid attention to it too much. I mean, I kind of, like, saw, maybe, like, caught a couple laps on TV, and then I would see, like, who, who won later. But then, you know, later on, like, I started to pay attention to it more, and the the first, like, Indy 500 uh, that I watched flag-to-flag flag was the 2014 Indy 500. Um, and I, you know, I always think about, like, the finish to that race— the battle that uh, Ryan Hunter Ray and uh, Elio Castroneves had um, in the last couple of laps of that race and how they were able to, you know, it was, it was basically like a um, restrictor plate race almost, but they were able to pass and repass each other. And it was just going to be a matter of um, who was going to be out far in front enough to uh, take the win and, and I mean that was a a great finish to that race and an excellent uh, driving by excellent driving by uh, Hunter Ray there you know we saw him almost dip into the grass uh, to get the lead um, and it was a great call by Alan Bestwick there um, although you know they focused a little bit too much on the drivers' wives at the end when they should have been focusing <laughs> just on the racing. Yeah. But, yeah. Um it was still still a good race and, and and every year since then, you know, I always look forward to the race and just you know, even though we didn't have it until now, you know, like just looking from the highlights and thinking about it, um, you know, now it's it's like the, the excitement um and you know the looking forward to that feeling is is back you know and it's a you know it's a unique feeling you know you you don't get that a lot um there's only like certain events that make you feel like that um and obviously this is one of them and i'm very much looking forward to you know in the next couple of weeks how how it turns out and um you, you know what what kind of race we see uh here um in in two sundays so you know for me like this is um this is basically like you know almost kind of like christmas in a way but uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: i i enjoy it very much
0: yeah it's one of the biggest races in in the world it's one of the biggest sporting events in the world um it's it's something that um indianapolis i've only been there once in my life and it was many many years ago and it was during the nascar weekend when it used to be in august And when the NASCAR race actually sold out, so it tells you how long it was back uh going back. Um for me, I think there's multiple pieces, but I the the one the the one memory is for me is like one of the first memories I have of being a racing fan, and it was '92. Uh the Alonsor Jr. and Scott Goodyear battle to the to the win. But also um Michael Andretti was my and my driver for many years. It started I started with him and he dominated that day. I came up and as years have gone on, I've learned about, you know, whether it's Roberto Guerrero going and wrecking after, you know, the one and four lap records, wrecking and on the pace laps, all these great drivers wiping out Um, Rick Mears basically wiping out early in the race and not really having an opportunity to run his last Indy 500. Um, Jeff Andretti basically ending his career because of such a severe injury that he had, Mario Andretti getting injured. All these things that went on in that 1992 Indianapolis 500, it was unbelievable, and it it, it was insane, the amount of wrecks. That happened that day. And then Mar- Michael dominated. That was the first race with the new Ford Cosworth. The Ganassi team had it. And the Andretti uh, Newman-Haas had it. And uh, unfortunately, you know, when it came time to close the deal, Michael unfortunately wasn't able to, which allowed the finish that uh, we all know. And the famous quote uh, of Alan sir Jr. and Vic, lane saying you just don't know what indie means and uh i've always remembered that and i just i see his face and the emotion he had because you know you're having to carry a tradition you're having to carry a lineage of seven indie 500 wins between your dad and your uncle um which is insane to have to live up to for sure um that was one and i and i and the other thing that is something I'm looking forward to coming up here um, on the 23rd uh, is back home again in Indiana. I'm not in, obviously not from Indiana. Um, Neither was Jim neighbors, but the fact of the matter is when he's saying back home again in Indiana, and especially the last time he did it, I was, you know, I was very emotional and many people were very emotional in the, in the stands. And now you have Jim Cornelison, who's insane. His his ability to sing is ridiculous. Um, it's not the same, but it definitely brings those emotions and those goosebumps. Because, you know, after that, the next thing that's coming is, you know, ladies and gentlemen, or this this year, gentlemen, start your engines. And I'm also curious on who's going to end up giving the command, whether it's going to be Penske or... Um, somebody else but i think those are the two things you know what kind of the first real memories of the indy 500 was that and then what kind of that thing that really gets me you know pumped up ready for the race uh it's something that makes me continue to love this race and will continue to love it until i'm not even functional you know, to even know what's going on. I'll just see cars going around in circles. I won't know who's out there. Um, I love Indianapolis. We all love Indianapolis. It's, uh, it's a Mecca. It's, uh, you know, one of the great, uh, palaces of sport, not just motorsport, but sport. Um, so many great memories, so many great things have happened there. So many great changes have been brought to the sport because of Indianapolis. Um, yeah, Spencer, uh, thank you, man, for coming on. Um, we'll, uh, be doing this again for the next couple of weeks. So, um, we'll have you on, on Wednesday night and we'll talk about the qualifying results and kind of start previewing the Indianapolis 500, uh, on next week's show. Thank you, man, for coming on and, um, do you have anything going out?
2: Thanks again for having me on. Uh, I do appreciate you referencing back home again in Indiana. I can say, obviously, like you, I, you know, wasn't born, didn't grow up in Indiana. I did uh, attend Purdue University. So back that, you know, moment, you know, when Jim Neighbors and now Jim Cornelison sings, it has some extra special meaning to me Uh, now with my connection to the state um and looking forward to uh the rest of the practice week and qualifying and next week uh talking about the race
0: absolutely um we're gonna go over this deal we're gonna go and preview this you know there's plenty of other uh pods pods done by my friends Um uh, People that have helped me in this deal, and you can get some good stuff there. But we're also going to do our part here on the GSP and uh, Spencer. Uh, we appreciate you coming on here tonight and for the next two weeks. Um, and uh, we're going to next week. We'll be talking about the race and what happened uh, in qualifying and kind of uh, what we look for. Uh, hopefully. Um, with, even with the lack of practice, hopefully we'll have generally a better, more active race for sure. So, um, thanks man for coming on and, uh, we'll see you next week, uh, here on the GSP.
2: Thank you guys. Again, I appreciate it.
0: All right, man. Spencer Neff, he has, uh, he's on WordPress. Uh, he brought out the new blog. Uh, you heard uh, his uh, website there. Um, you'll go and we'll go and follow him there on on WordPress, and you should too. He's a great writer. He knows a ton of stuff, uh, really brings uh, the heat in terms of information, not only for IndyCar, but Road to Indy. So uh, definitely follow him on, uh, at Spencer Neff on, uh, Twitter, um, also, um, probably got a Facebook there. I, I'll, you, you go, go and give us your socials. Um, I am, I went and not, uh, went and took off the mic there. So you're go and give us your socials, uh, before we, um, we let you go, uh, for tonight and talk about, uh, the GSP roundup. Oh. Yeah, it's
2: yeah. Uh, at Spencernaf, uh 11 on Twitter. And oh, sorry. It's, it's all good. Um, IndyCar1909.wordpress.com. Um, and that's uh, about it. Like I said, I'm uh, going to be working on some stuff, uh, figuring out uh, some different ways to cover the race and maybe. Uh, talk about some of the history of this race over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You you need to go. We have to find an angle. Us, us grinders have to find an angle to go and cover this race relative to, you know, the people who have the credentials and are able to go and sit in that, you know, bougie uh, media center like Marshall Pruitt and them. But, um, uh, you know, it'll be something to see, go and read Spencer Uh, He writes great stuff, uh, somebody that uh, will definitely give you the perspective you need of the race, and there won't be any BS, and there won't be any uh, people affecting him because of uh, uh, having to go and keep uh, credentials or any of that stuff, like Jenna Fryer. Um, Thanks, Spencer, and uh, we will talk to you next week to go and preview this Indianapolis 500
2: yeah sounds great. thanks again, guys.
0: All right, man. thank you. um we'll uh go into the g s p roundup um josh uh, we we have a lot to go over here. I mean, we were talking about we went over Formula One yesterday, but you know we all in NASCAR to a point um kind of go over some picks for some of the races that we had here. Uh, coming up this week, uh, but also we have to kind of hit some of the ones that happened uh, last week. The MotoGP at Brno was uh, Brad Binder for the South African for KTM gets his first career win in uh, MotoGP. It's his first, third career start in uh, MotoGP, which is insane. Um, of course, Mark Marquez not being in uh being in the, the on the grid uh is uh is part of what makes uh, his his ability to go and win that race uh happen but also to go and win in your third start on such in such a tough level speaks a lot to his talent uh there was the KTMs were up front the Hondas were buried it was definitely not your usual uh grand prix ducatis weren't theoretically up there either so it was something to see will we will find out what it looks like uh, in the first of two races in Austria the Austrian Grand Prix will be this weekend at Red Bull Ring uh, we will see if there's similar uh, kind of pace or results um, we don't know if Mark Marquez will be back we still haven't heard that yet so that could kind of come into play um, NHRA uh, ran at Indianapolis for the third time. Uh, you had uh, Angel Sampe win her first race for Harley Davidson on uh, their V-Rod. Uh, she hadn't won since English Town in 2016 for, um, for the star racing team for George Bryce, who was her longtime owner and tuner. Uh that was a big deal when she won that race in twenty sixteen I think it was over Jerry Savoy at English town, and it was maybe the next to last time they ran there um which was um of course because of politics um English town's not open anymore for drag racing, but they're open over for drifting i don't I don't get or other crap, but that's beside the point um Ron Caps finally won. A race at Indy. He's never he's famously never won at uh, the U.S. Nationals, but he was able to take the Napa Dodge Charger uh, Challenger, whatever they've got. I don't know how many different types of bikes. I think they the Hellcat Char- Charger uh, to Victory Lane. Uh, Ron Tobler and them the Napa car got that win. On the Funny Car side. And then in Top Fuel, we had – let me go here. I guess I'm blanking in terms of who won Top Fuel. Steve Torrance. Yeah, that's what it was. Steve Torrance won uh, in Top Fuel at Indianapolis. He's a former winner of the U.S. Nationals. And I guess – that right there is something I know. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Josh, with what happened uh, with uh, his tuner, one of his tuners, uh, Dom Lagana, and former U.S. Nationals champion um, uh, Richie Crampton, and one other person were injured in um, in a serious accident on the road. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was really sad and, uh, hard to hear. And there was a picture, um, you know, you had, uh, Dom Lagana's uh, girlfriend there and she took a picture and put it on Instagram. You only see like a cast and his whole entire, whatever you could see was all in like casted and he's in serious, he's in critical condition. Um, so there, there was, That was a pretty big deal that came from the weekend itself um, from after the race. Um, Jed Coughlin beat his uh, nephew, uh, Troy Coughlin Jr., in an all-Coughlin pro-stock final. And then Megan Myers' sister, Rachel, uh, keeps the family lineage going on in all-top-alcohol dragster uh, with a win – in in that class, Megan or Rachel Meyer and then Johnny Lindbergh also uh, wins top alcohol funny car he filled in for, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Tasca in uh motocraft car when he was dealing with COVID. Uh, what did you uh, take away from this uh, Dodge N H R A Nationals, but the next race is gonna be the US Nationals. So what do you take away from uh this weekend there since they will have a break before the big go? I mean yeah it was a uh
1: interesting weekend uh to say the least. Uh I'm I mean it I'm curious to see like what what comes out of it uh as they continue to um go throughout the season um but to be honest i i don't really have a lot to say Uh, okay yeah oh yeah i sorry on that
0: it's all right um we'll we'll go and i mean your thoughts and prayers go out to dom lagana richie crampton jake sanders who were involved in that serious accident um during the weekend um And hopefully they'll all be able to make it through a lot of um, uh, prayers and and thoughts for um, all of them, especially Dom. Um, We'll see what happens and we'll definitely update you here um, on the GSP if anything comes up between now and the next episode. Uh, In terms of points, they're going to run the whole season. every, Every race counts. So it's definitely different from the usual. Uh Doug Coletta leads in the top field points by just over four rounds, uh eighty-three over Torrance, eighty-nine over Tony Stewart's girlfriend, um Billy Torrance, uh Steve's dad is fourth, and Justin Ashley is fifth. Uh, Terry McMillan, uh and Sean Brown, Clay Milliken, Sean Langdon are the uh and Brittany Force who hasn't run since the return. Uh, still in the top ten. Um, TJ Zizzo uh, is just outside that. Doug Foley's run limited races, so it's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing works out. Um, they aren't going to have a playoff, so it is what it is. There, uh, in Funny Car, Tommy Johnson Jr. has a 13-point lead on teammate Jack Beckman and 28 on teammate Matt Hagan. Ron Caps gets that win and he's five rounds out in fourth. Bob Tasca missed a race but got those points from Lindbergh. He's fifth. You have J.R. Todd, Tim Wilkerson, Alexis DeJoria, uh, Daddy's Money Personified, and looks like a man. Uh, Cruz Pentagon, Paul Lee are your top 10. Um, outside of that, you have Blake Alexander, who's trying to run full season. You have Jim Campbell, Terry Haddock. That's basically a the end of it i Bodie's running limited races haddock is running on limited budget so there's really 12 for 10 but it's a full season points championship so don Schumacher is definitely gonna win the funny car title it's just a case of which srt hellcat is gonna win the funny car title uh pro stock is, uh which chevy is gonna win the pro stock title Jed Coughlin has just over two rounds on Jason line. Uh, who's also retiring at the end of the year. Eric Enders is just under four rounds back in third. And then there's a huge gap after that. Anderson fourth, Laughlin fifth, um, McGahay, Kenny Delco, Bo Butner, Matt Hartford, and then Aaron Stanfield is in 10th. Derek Kramer is only uh, 21 points behind him and Tred. Troy Coughlin Jr. is kind of sneaking up there in his Chevy powered Ford uh, in 13th. Fernando Quadra and all that, everything after that is kind of a throwaway. Uh, Pro stock motorcycle Ryan Ayler, uh, who won a few weeks back at Indianapolis, uh, is still the points leader by four over Angel Sampe. Matt Smith is third. Seven points behind Ayler, and then you have five riders within two rounds Eddie Krawick, Andrew Hines, top five, and the top eight is separated but less than 50 points. So, Policek, Arana, Chris Bostic, who had uh, a, a run, he took his uh, Suzuki to the final there on Sunday, Angie Smith, and John Hall. Uh, John Hall has a big battle because between him. And 15th place, Kelly Klontz is three points. So you have John Hall, Steve Johnson, Jerry Savoy, Mark Ingersen, David Barron, Kelly Klontz, all within three points of each other. So that'll be interesting to see at the US Nationals to see who's able to kind of move up and move forward. Um, after that, we're going to, you have uh, Moto America. Cameron Beaubier uh, gets a couple more wins. He's dominant. He has that Matt Malad in. you have talk about Nicky Hayden, the late Nicky Hayden, you Ben Spees. He's got that same kind of domination going on. Um, and it's definitely interesting to see what's going to happen behind him because it's kind of like that in kind of formula one other series where, you know, there's one dominant figure, um, but, who can go and probably stop him? He did lose once, but who can stop him? Uh, World Superbike ran last week. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, British Touring Car, at Brands Hatch Super GT at Fuji, um, other series there. Uh, we'll transition to this weekend. I mean, we kind of talked about the Spanish Grand Prix yesterday. We talked about the Daytona road course. It's going to be a wild card. There's some good drivers, depending on the series, especially the Arca series, a couple guys. They'll be running that road course, but uh, we'll we'll kind of look at um, Supercars uh, World Endurance Championship will be back. Finally, um, they haven't run this year. They'll be running their first uh, official race at Spa this weekend um, the new Toyota will debut um, I don't know who else will be there on the p1 side of things p2 is going to be pretty solid the GTLM will also be competitive along with the am class um, I guess Josh in terms of that like we look at the races I'll be on there you also have DTM and and v8 at Hidden Valley. Um, What do you look for in terms of this weekend, in terms of these racing series? Who do you see in some of them that you're into kind of standing out for picks? I mean, I'll just – because
1: I never gave an official pick yesterday when we talked about the Daytona road course and all that. Um, I mean, I think – and that – just on that alone, I mean, the Cup series, probably Chase Elliott, um, I think. I think he'd probably be a guy to look out for and then uh Xfinity series, um Austin Cindric and truck series. I mean, I think I'd go with like Alex Tagliani, um in you know, the Kyle Busch car and he's probably got the most experience at the at that road course, uh, versus all the other drivers. Uh but I mean as far as like the other series, I mean I think in W E C and um I mean just like on on team alone, um I mean interested to see, uh, how, uh, you know, the Toyota team does with, uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing, how, how they perform, um, um, at, at Spa, um, if, if they, uh, you know, obviously if they end up winning, so, and I, I mean, I, to me, they seem like to be the best team in, in WEC right now, so, I mean, I'd probably pick them, uh, that team to win, and then I think for um, Supercars, I think they're coming up soon, and, um i mean i have to go for probably um the easy pick there probably just be one of the team penske guys i mean i'd probably pick uh dane cameron as somebody to watch uh going into that race
0: uh, that's him so that's scotty mclaughlin okay and, yeah I'm, uh,
1: I'm getting them confused yeah, yeah i'm sorry
0: yeah, yeah. Scotty McLaughlin. there's plenty of teams yeah. there's plenty of teams in team penske so it's definitely yeah. understandable
1: yeah yeah and
0: I'm, uh uh, what do you call um? I'm um, Fabian Coulthard. Yeah, yeah. So Scott Fabian. Yeah. I mean,
1: so I think either the uh, Penske, Dick Johnson guys um in in uh supercars. I think they'll they'll be uh you know drivers to watch in that series. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I think I think for me that's um all the picks that I can think of off the top of my head.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good pick solid. I mean, Toyota with the way things have been this year with regulations, uh, they're trying to give the petrol cars a little bit more of hope. Um, so we have to look at, um, some of those petrol cars and what they can do, uh, in, in, uh, at least in the LMP one category, a couple of them are going out, uh, uh, after this race or after this uh, Le Mans, uh, because of uh, you know the cost and all that, um, they're going to be running here at uh, at Spa the six hours, and then they're going to run the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And uh, Bahrain will end the calendar for this uh, wraparound season, and then they will start in 2021 uh with uh I think Seabring. Um they'll be hopefully running at Seabring in the um in the twelve hours they're gonna do the super super special or whatever the hell they called it um there um at uh Seabring and uh we we will see about that. You have Rebellion Racing, Bicolis, um standing out there in terms of the LMP1s, Uh, the Toyotas will also be there. The two Toyotas will be there. Uh, They're still running the old car, Um, so there will be four cars in the LMP1. The Rebellion car is definitely the wild card. In LMP2, there's definitely a lot of talent. You have to run a silver, and you have to run Uh, with a minimum drive time, and it's kind of a a spec class. You have the likes of Philippe Albuquerque, who's run here in America, Paul DeResta, former Formula One driver, Simon Trummer, runs in America, and IMSA, Guido Vandegarda, who had a chance in uh, Formula One, or tried to get in Formula One, Job Van Oetert, who's a good sim racer, um, Mark Patterson, long-time driver for Michael Schenck Racing. Uh, he's spent a lot of time here recently in uh, International uh, LMP2. Uh, you got Roberto Muriel, who ran for uh, whatever, however many, Marusha, I guess, is how it would be most known as. Um, he's there, Hoping Tong, who ran GP2. GP3, Will Stevens, another guy, or Ricardo Gonzalez, Antonio Felix De Costa, the now World of Formula E world champion, and Anthony Davidson in the Jota Sport, number 38. So that'll be a solid pairing there. Nicolas Lapierre, former winner, uh, multiple winner in all kinds of sports car races. And then you have that whatever the hell they are. Um, the LM the GT uh, Pro will have uh, Alexander Paraguidi and James Collado in the 1AF Corsa car, Miguel Molina and David Rigon in the second car, Gian Maria Bruni and Richard Leitz in the first of the two Manti Porsches. The other car is uh, uh, Christensen and Kevin Estri then you have the Astons with Nikki team and uh Sorensen and then Alex Lynn and Maxime Martin in uh GT Pro and uh in the GTM Giancarlo Fisichella will be in the AF Corsa Ferrari the Project 1 car um, I have no idea who any of those guys are. Um, the second Project One car is the WINS car, which is Ben Keating, Felipe Fraga, and Joran Bleekemolen. So that's definitely a solid uh, program there. Red River Sport has Johnny Molum, longtime uh, competitor in sports cars. Uh, the Dempsey Proton, uh, Christian Reed, uh, Matt Campbell, so strong there. A.F. Corsa, the second car, Emanuele Collard, who has been around forever. I remember when he ran Formula One as a test driver for for Benetton. Uh, So that's going back to my early days, going back nearly 30 years. So um, I'm aging myself for sure. Um, Iron App, looking around, looking around, looking around, trying to figure out Johnny Adam is driving an uh, in, in Aston that's red, so it looks weird. Um, Charlie Eastwood as well in that car, so that'll be a solid contender in the AM class uh, for the win. And then you have Augusto um uh, Paul Dallallana, uh running a full factory uh, AM car for Aston Martin Racing, which is I think 25% owned by Lauren stroll these days. So um, we will see what happens. Six hours of spa precursor to the uh, 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, we will find out about that. Uh, going to V eights, uh, going to the supercars and will be in place. Coltex. Yeah. Oh, so Caltex is gonna be replaced by Ampol on uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's uh, number ninety seven. So that'll be interesting to see. Um because Caltex, which is connected to Texaco and all that, so that'll be interesting. They'll have both the Red Bull cars, won't be Red Bull cars, so that'll be nice. Um definitely what you brought up, Josh, in terms of the uh the the results are talking about uh Penske uh those that's the other team you have to give credence to um in terms of who has a chance to go and win uh this to win this weekend at hidden valley uh the Darwin triple Crown the bet easy Darwin triple Crown you have to look at red bull uh Jamie Winch cup who has won seven titles just like Jimmy Johnson. He's only 107 points out of the lead. Chaz Mostert, who's driving for Andretti, United, Walkinshaw, and, and every Tom, Dick, and Jane that lives in Australia. Um, he's in third. Nick Percat for Brad Jones, fourth. Cameron Waters, fifth. David Waters, or David Waters, David Reynolds in sixth. Jane Van Gisburg in seventh. Lee Holdsworth, Mark Winterbottom, Andre Heimgardner uh, rounds out the top ten. Coulthard is a couple of points out. So it's a different format for the weekend. They'll those will be the two races that kind of lead up to that Daytona Carnage that's going to take place. I um, think I mentioned, like you said, Chase Elliott is definitely someone to look at uh, in terms of the Cup race. Um, I, I look at Kyle Busch also. It's an opportunity where the no practice really isn't going to hurt him. I think if they can find a good setup, he could go and end up winning that race. Um, uh, With the Xfinity series, you have some, some definite reg uh, one-offs. You have the Andy Lally's of the world running the Apache stove throwback. And Alex LeBay was uh, able to fade that penalty. So who knows what they can do. Can they possibly back into a victory and get themselves into the playoff? It would shift. It would definitely set it on its lid. Um, but it it all starts and ends with Sindrick and Briscoe. I think one of those two will definitely be in victory lane, as you mentioned. Uh, the truck series race. See, now I'm curious. I'm kind of, I have to go and look at the, uh, have yeah, I think. to go and look at this uh the starting line uh, the the who they have in this grid for the um the truck series race it's a starting lineup is already out zane smith will start on the poll after winning uh the last uh, winning at michigan krishneck is second moffitt so basically it looks like what the final order was Moffitt hill Ankrum, gillin tanner gray ben rhodes Derek kraus rafael lassard who has road racing experience a little bit um i mean alex tagliani your pick josh Yeah, uh, definitely take josh's picks they seem to hit really well you want to make a little gamble it ain't a bad look because he seems to hit on these things so Uh, alex tagliani won't have great pit position but Uh, he will have uh, a spot in this field. He'll be starting 21st. So right in the middle of the field, uh, you look at some of the other people, Michael Skeen, who's going to, who's the current TA two points leader, uh, driving for Stevens Miller, uh, um, racing in a, a, what are you, Likomole Camaro. Uh, He's going to be running for, um, Nemechek, Joe check and he's going to be running uh, number 8 Ford. That one's going to be one to watch. Uh the Rose, brother Rouse brothers are running who hell they are. Um Bobby Kennedy, can't be Bobby Kennedy, the former crew chief. That would be something. Uh Spencer Davis returns from his uh COVID deal. Um he's recovered, passed the uh, tests and all that. So he'll be running um you have Scott Legacy Jr., his father, legendary road racer, Scott Legacy So he'll be running the 30 truck, usually run by Brennan Poole. So those are a few of the guys um, that will, uh, I think, Skeen, uh, depending on if Legacy hasn't hit something, uh, he could be someone. Uh, Spencer Davis is another one. I think Skeen and Spencer Davis are two guys that will be able to come up from tailback As Rusty likes to say, and do something here in what is called the Sunoco 159.
1: I have not seen Mike Skeen in a long time since 2013.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when 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 uh, what's his face is or yeah, when his girlfriend went and smacked Max Pappas in the face. That was all. That was awesome. Uh, I was already a Mike Skeen fan cause he was on, uh, there was a show, I think drive or some, I was, re- there was something, it was on speed channel, Tommy Kendall, because I'm a Tommy Kendall, Mark, um, hosted it and they were using like Pontiac, uh, G not G sixes, whatever, like the coupe. They had that weird coupe Pontiac did that ran in sports cars. It wasn't the GTO, um, there was something, some other coupe that was a TRG ran, actually, but they were running like the the stock versions with some changes, and Mike Skeen ran in that competition, and I've been a fan of his since then. And then when Max Pappas got smacked by um, Mike Skeen's girlfriend, I just kind of liked it, even though... You know, I have a, there's the, I go, I'm in, I'm a 50-50 guy with Max Baptist, but it's beside the point. Um, UNOH 188, uh, starting lineup, Sindrick and Briscoe, the top two guys in points will be on the front row. Gregson, Chastain, Haley, Andy Lally, and that cool paint scheme, the zero two hour motorsports car. AJ Allmendinger, not going to get screwed by the, uh, random draw he'll actually start 10th so we will be able to see basically the top line guys you're going to have Cindric briscoe almadinger andy lally all up there early so that'll be something to see um plus all the carnage that's probably going to happen in that race um daniel hamrick you'll have his elbows up starting 23rd i don't know why they don't have camera in his car to show that um he drives the way that Ryan Blaney said he drives um, in that one video with him and Bubba. Uh, Preston Pardis will be starting 15th, 16th will be Alex LeBay, so that'll be two DGM cars. Those are ones to look at. After that, uh Earl Bamba. Earl Bamba, as um Bleed if you would like to say. Um, He'll be starting 30th, so he'll be the one they're probably going to put a camera on, uh, Earl Bamba, uh, the Porsche driver, Um, see what he can do in the RCR, uh, KCMG, Chevrolet, number 21, coming from 30th. Jade Buford, who had a good run uh, last week at Road America, you had a couple other people there. Uh, Josh Balicki had a good uh, run there at walk, uh, Road America last week. Jeremy Clemens, who needs to win if he wants any chance of making the playoff. Uh, the, that's that's basically, you know, you have Scott Heckard, road race veteran. Um, um, other than that, I mean, that's basically Brandon Godovic's going to be running that 26 car. He has road racing experience, Trans Am experience. That could be somebody that could go and sneak a finish, but we will see uh, what happens with that. Um, the last, last deal, uh, last race we'll talk about on the way out here is the Go Bowling 235. Uh, good old and Chase Elliott just I just saw it. Chase Elliott is a betting favorite, uh, at least on Bet Online, for Go Bowling 235. He will be starting seventh. Harvick, Hamlin, Truex, Kyle Bush, Joey Logano, top five. Almirola, Clyde, Kurt Busch, D. Benedetto, Austin Dillon, top f- ten. Um, Brendan Gaughan's going to be making a rare appearance uh, on a non-restrictor plate race. Uh, starting tailback, uh, you have James Davison, who will be running uh he'll he'll qualify his car on saturday and he will be running sunday or for the indy 500 on saturday and then he'll run this cup race on sunday Um, outside of that there's nobody it's the usual suspects in there Uh, michael mcdowell starts 30th he's a known road racer spent many years in imsa and grand dam uh, somebody that could be a wild card kind of look not to win, but make a pretty good finish. If you're trying to parlay it on something on a top five or top 10 finish, that might be somebody to look at there. Uh, with that, we will um, uh, end here. This uh, grip Trip podcast, episode 17, Josh, do you have anything going out? Uh, tell us your socials.
1: Uh yeah, I mean, you know, as usual you follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at uh J. Huffine, Um and you know that's basically where all I uh am right now. Um and you know, I'm looking forward uh to this weekend, seeing how qualifying goes and and definitely gonna be an exciting weekend of racing at um Daytona for sure.
0: Oh yeah, there's gonna be a lot of carnage uh this weekend between all four series including ARCA there's going to be a lot of carnage for for sure um, there's some good there's actually a couple of good racers uh you know Parker Chase is going to be in the 22 car in the ARCA race and you have um a Will Rogers longtime road race veterans run a lot of west and east races so he's got a good shot as well And then there's a 16-year-old kid whose first name is Ayrton. So um, you just have to root for him if you're an Ayrton Senna fan, and I am. So I'm going to root for him and hope that he gets a run and he beats Haley Deegan, and that would be cool. Um, For me, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, but not really. I do share the show there. Um, I'm on WordPress, philipgmatthew.com. Uh, the Grip Strip Podcast has its own Twitter handle at Grip Strip Pod. Uh, so you can find us there. I have to start accessing and kind of leveraging that secondary account. Um, I want to thank, uh, thank you, Josh, as always, for being on, uh, being a, a solid co-host, and uh, Spencer Neff, who um, he promoted all his Uh, his twitter his new blog give him a a look because he's got great insight great writing quality and um, uh, hopefully maybe one day i'll go and get back on it myself on philipgmatthew.com but um, we thank you for listening to the grip strip podcast we'll be back uh, next week for a couple of episodes talking about all the events of this weekend Uh, We hope you listen to us. Uh, Let us give us a like on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean. Uh, We're also on Amazon and uh, other places where you can go and find podcasts. Uh, We thank you for listening. Uh, Take care and God bless.